Get ready for tomorrow's news today. You're listening to Speak Life with Marty Lee. Hello and welcome to Speak Life. We're so glad you're here with us. We believe in the power of the prophetic words of life. You know, Proverbs 18.21 declares this truth. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Now, most people have heard that part. But listen to the second part. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. There's something powerful that happens when we speak words. They're either going to produce a fruitfulness of life or a fruitfulness of death. And so death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. You know, we're supposed to love life, God's life. And as God's children in the earth, we are called to speak life. It's going to be a powerful night of prophetic insights, a powerful show, I should say, of prophetic insights uh, into our culture, what's happening in the world around us, and and uh, what's happening uh, in, in our personal world. God is going to change so much uh, over the next short amount of time. Uh, remember, we talked about 50 days to change the world from Passover to Pentecost. I believe we're in that moment right now. And uh, we have to learn to speak life in these special moments of time. Uh, the devil has used the mouths of people to speak death and lies. Uh, but God's people are called to dominate uh, the dominion mandate uh, upon God's people, God said, I want you to have dominion over everything on the earth. And uh, <clears throat> the dominion mandate uh, is the one that we're supposed to operate in, and we do that mainly by speaking life. You know, the prophet Ezekiel uh, was alive in a time when God's people uh, were taking captivity into Babylon. And the hope inside of them was dying. Their vision for their own land was dying. It looked terrible. They had no hope for their own future. And God brought his prophet in a vision to a deep valley full of dead men's bones. And God asked the prophet a question, can these dead, dry bones live? Ezekiel answered with the only answer that any prophet would have in that situation is, God, only you know the answer to that question. That was the right answer. God is always the one with, with the correct answer. Uh, this valley represents God's people, their hopes, their dreams. And God's answer to their hopeless situation was to prophesy or speak life. For some things, uh, you know, some things may seem desperate. And God wants us to speak life. You may feel like you're in a, a challenging job. Uh, where, you know, is this ever going to get any better? Well, quite possibly God put you in that job so that you would speak life. You may feel like your family is a very difficult family. Why did your family have to be the one full of all the difficult cases? Well, maybe you're there to speak life. I mean, that was kind of my case growing up. I had nine brothers and sisters growing up, and, and uh I was on fire for God, and uh, eventually everybody in the family was saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. And so uh, God wants you to speak life, amen? Uh, some situations just may seem very desperate uh, or, or, or negative. God wants you to speak life. Uh, only God could, do, could look at that hopeless situation 
of the valley of dry, dead dry bones and see life. Only God could see that. Amen? So think of the prophet. His choice uh, would determine what would happen. He could have listened to the voice of the despair of the people and prophesy the despair of the people. But instead, he chose to prophesy life. You know, in this passage in Ezekiel 37, uh, the, the destiny of the nation was hanging in the balance. And God had to have someone who would listen to the voice of the Lord and see beyond the natural, see beyond the current challenges, see beyond the moment with prophetic perception, prophetic vision for the future. And then by faith, prophesy life. Some of you watching and and listening to this need to understand, just like Ezekiel, God placed you right where you are. And even though it may look like a difficult moment, we're called to hear the voice of the Lord and speak what he says. And his voice is always the voice of life. Everything you see was created by what we cannot see. God did not tell Ezekiel to prophesy what he saw. He told him to prophesy what God saw. In Isaiah 55, God's speaking through the prophet Isaiah, explaining the process and the transition and the change process. And in verse 6 and 7, it talks about turning our hearts to seek the Lord, changing our ways. That's called the process of repentance. And God is always a good father who will show us mercy and abundantly pardon. That's what it says there. Uh, The Hebrew word, uh, uh, abundantly pardon is the word salak. It means mega forgiveness. God wants his people to serve him in freedom from all bondage to sin. So he offers us mega forgiveness. Uh, then Isaiah goes on to prophesy, you know, when we repent, he offers us mega forgiveness. Uh, then Isaiah continues to prophesy the next step is to change your thoughts for God's thoughts. And then your ways will automatically shift higher to God's ways. Don't behave or think like everybody else thinks who's not living a life of victory. Then he says this in Isaiah 55 verses 10 and 11. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and does not return there, but waters the earth and makes it bring forth and bud. Listen to this part now. That it may give seed to the sower... And bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper the thing which I sent it to. So words determine your landscape, words determine what grow around you. And when you begin to put God's word in your mouth, you change the landscape, you change the world around you. The life and death is in the power of the tongue, and those that love it shall enjoy the fruit of that. So you're going to cause something to bring forth and bud, like Isaiah said. You can speak words of a dead valley of bones, or you can speak words of life. I believe this is the hour of the prophetic church. Uh, You know, we talk about the apostolic and the prophetic. It's like the right hand and the left hand in the body of Christ. You know, they're, they're very much exactly the same, except complete opposites at the same time. And so, 
apostles and prophets, the Bible says in Ephesians uh, uh, 2.20, that they are the foundation of the church. And so God is restoring and releasing apostles and prophets in this hour and, and raising up apostolic prophetic churches that will hear the voice of God. Well, is that what an apostle does? Apostle does uh, very much the same things as a prophet does. Uh, very similar in many overlapping ways. Actually, everything we know in, in the New Testament about a prophet uh, was written by Apostle Paul. And so how could he write that with such authority? Uh, because he understood that. He was an apostle and he operated very similarly. And so this is the hour, I believe, of the prophetic and apostolic church. But specifically tonight, I don't want to talk about the prophetic edge to that two-edged sword. Uh, we must learn to speak like God speaks. God always speaks words of life. Uh, these word seeds from God will change everything you see and everything you perceive. That's what Isaiah was saying. It shall prosper the thing that he sent it to. It's going to cause fruitfulness uh, in abundance everywhere you speak his word. That's how it works. The result is a great turnaround. Uh, Jesus said in Mark 4.26, everything in the kingdom of God operates on the principle of the seed. In fact, words are seeds, Jesus said. If you want to change your world, you've got to change your words. But just like a seed, you can't just say it and then instantly see the results. That's where people get tripped up in walking with the Lord sometimes. They say, well, I'm saying it, I'm just not seeing it. You don't see an instant result when you plant a, a seed. The growth of the seed happens under the soil, in the dirt, in the dark. You think about that for a minute now. You put it in the ground. You don't keep digging it up. You, you water it. You make sure that, that soil has enough sunlight and so on and so forth. And then the uh, germination process happens where you can't see it. It's a miracle that God releases. It's the same thing he said about his word. When you begin to speak his word, it waters the soil. It causes the seeds that God uh, uh, has sown in there to start sprouting and growing. Remember, Apostle Paul said, some say I'm of Paul, some say I'm of Apollos, uh, which was Peter. Some say this, that he said, uh, you know, one plants, one waters, and one reaps a harvest. You know, he's talking about everything in the kingdom operates, like Jesus said, on the principle of the seed. It doesn't happen overnight, you know. I know some people get discouraged about not seeing their children serving them, uh, serving the Lord with them uh, at full capacity. Listen, you didn't get full capacity overnight. Nobody does. It's the growth of the seed, that, that principle. That's why we need to learn to have grace and mercy and and uh, be be very gracious with others. You know, thank God I had gracious people around me while I was growing. Uh, but you know, under the soil, a seed starts growing in the dark, and that seed breaks down. Uh, you know, and oftentimes people go through that process. They they feel like they're breaking down. They're all alone. Uh, that's the seed producing life. That's the soil causing it to grow, and that. That seed, after a while, it begins to sprout and make its way up through this dark soil, and it breaks out of the soil, and it begins to grow above the ground. Uh, but things are happening <clears throat> even when you can't see it. They're growing. And before too long, 
you see the beginnings above the ground. And, and <clears throat> even then, it's still a while before that grows strong enough uh, to begin to actually bring forth and bud, like Scripture says. But then after the budding process, the fruit begins to grow until it ripens. And so this process continues. Uh, then once the crop, the crop fully ripens, then and only then the harvesters can come in and reap the harvest. You know, everything in the kingdom of God goes through a development process. Uh, from seedling to full mature trees to bearing fruit. So you ask yourself, what seed words have you been sowing? You know, do a self-inspection sometime and say, you know, I don't like what I'm seeing in the landscape of my life. Well, what seed words are you speaking? Remember, Jesus said it's not what goes into a man's mouth that defiles his life, but it's what comes out of his mouth that defiles him. And so we're supposed to be very careful uh, how we speak as believers. We have been, we are the blood royal sons and daughters of God, and we have been given an authority on our words to speak. Uh, and so if you don't like what you're seeing, trace it back to what are you saying? Uh, you know, I, the Bible says we're to guard our heart because out of our heart flow the issues of life. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so uh, what are you speaking? What are, you, what are your eyes taking in? What are you putting into your spirit? What are you, what are you absorbing and what are you releasing? Because whatever you uh, take in is what's going to come out of your mouth. Amen. So are you speaking life? If you want to see some things change, you have to go through a process of changing that. Ezekiel looked at the Valley of Dry Bones, and what God was looking for was some agreement on the earth. If he could get the power of agreement, then he could shift and change the whole thing. One person agreeing with God can change everything. Some, someone who you'd have enough faith to believe that's who that that's what God was looking for. Someone who would have enough faith to believe with him that those dead bones uh, that were in existence, that were plain to see, uh, would change to an army uh, that is full of life. Uh, you know, some of you need to find people to pray with and agree with. You know, it should be your spouse or family members. Uh, or church family members, uh, but find someone to agree with uh, so that dead bones that exist and are plain to see uh, in life can be spoken to and release that life to them. You know, by the way, armies are mostly made up of young men and women. And so this was a massive army that was defeated where people have given up on young men and women it seems like <clears throat> that is what you can see today. Many people are just giving up on the younger generation and saying, well, they just believe in these doctrines of devils, is what I would call them, uh, these confusion things uh, that are coming in to try to blur the lines and, and uh, try to make, make it that they're not a specific creation that God intended for them to be that they are some sort of evolving thing when you begin to pull all the boundary lines away uh, that's when you start removing sovereignty 
and uh, and so it works on a nation and it works on a human uh, and made in the image and likeness of God. And so uh, people are giving up on the younger generation, young men and young women, and uh, and it seems like that's what we can see today. But have you given any consideration to the possibility of God's potential? Can these dry bones live? And my answer is emphatically yes. God is looking for agreement in the earth to change things. I believe what does this is this is the setup from God for the awakening. What does an awakening look like? Could it be like these dry bones uh, waking up in a generation, a prophetic generation? that they would come from death to life. You know, the prophet looked at the, at the valley of, of dead, dry bones and specifically identified them as dead, dry bones. Like, it's been that way for a long time. There's no hope of that thing changing. You know, God loves those kind of odds. God loves that, that kind of impossibility. He loves to look at things... Uh, that look absolutely no hope and step in and show his might and power. You know, is your faith in what is being declared on the news networks or in the uh, culture all around you or what the bad news prophets and their predictions of evil are saying? Or is there a possibility that God could do something even greater than what we have known even in past revivals? Could God give us a greater awakening a greater revival than the Azusa Street revival of 1908, you know? Could God do something greater than the revivals of the late 40s and early 50s when we had men like Oral Roberts and Kenneth Hagin and A.A. Allen and uh, Kenyon and all these great leaders, uh, revivalists, T.L. Osborne? Uh, could God do something bigger than the Lateran movement or the Charismatic movement or the Jesus movement? Uh, what about what about if God wanted to do a saints movement? You know, Bishop Hammond wrote a whole book on the saints movement. I believe we are on the on the brink of that breaking out everywhere. What if every son and daughter of God stuck in dead religious valleys started shaking and quaking under the resurrection power of Almighty God with a great awakening? What if a decree is being made from heaven, like a royal edict from heaven right now? Wake up the mighty. What if this prophet has heard something from heaven today? What if God is prophesying to the four corners of the earth and calling the winds of his spirit, the winds of change, the wind of God to begin to blow upon the people of God, like a mighty rushing wind, just as it was in the day of Pentecost, and suddenly a great reformation awakening begins to come forth. What if something unusual, something miraculous begins to happen? What if we really are in 50 days to change the world, the 50 days between Passover to Pentecost, changing the world that we live in? What if it is on God's heavenly calendar to sound the alarm from his holy mountain and blow the trumpet in Zion? That's what uh, the prophet prophesying is, the blowing of the trumpet in Zion, calling the ecclesia or the ecclesia to arise and shine, to wake up the mighty. What if God is calling his people to rise up in faith right now? 
believing that God is able to take his church beyond the veil that was torn in two, that veil of separation, that veil of limitation. What if we begin to see and perceive a future that God is declaring instead of what the false prophets have been saying and the the talking heads of the world today? What if the remnant begins to speak life? Come on. There is a key here. There's a key, and there's a key that begins to change everything. And Let me just shift gears a little with you now. That key is called hunger. You know, Caleb never lost his hunger for what God promised. Joshua never lost his hunger for what God promised. He waited 40 long, grueling years for that promised land. God promised it, and there were, out of six, over 6 million people, only two hung on. You know, Caleb refused to speak the faithless words of his surroundings. Even the elders that he respected had an evil and weak report, and they spoke it out, convincing others with all their fake news. God had already said, go in and take the land. I've already given it to you as your inheritance. Show no mercy to the enemy. Drive them out. Dispossess them. I'll be with you all the way. But the people of God in that day uh, did, not, did not believe God. They didn't have the hunger for their destiny. They didn't have the hunger for the inheritance. Caleb was hungry for the future. Joshua was hungry for the inheritance that God had promised them. And how did he promise that, by the way? Through prophecy. They refused to let go of their hunger for more. I want to ask you a question. What are you hungry for? What are you hungry for? God doesn't want you to settle. I'm talking to people who have been through two and a half years now of challenges and, and lockdowns and, and um, you know, vaccinations and all these other things. Uh, you know, all the questionable things that have happened and the, the insecurities and the, and the shifting of, of everything so rapidly. What are you hungry for? Listen, God doesn't want you to settle in a wilderness. He wants you to go for it. He wants you to fight the good fight of faith and begin to possess your promise. Are you hungry for revival? Are you hungry for awakening? Are you hungry for the salvation of your whole household? Are you hungry for prodigals to come back to the Father's house, fully surrendered to the Father's vision for their lives? Are you hungry for prophetic inheritance like Caleb and Joshua were? Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6, Jesus said this, blessed. I mean, let me just stop with that one word, blessed. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Isn't that amazing? Jesus said, I want you to be hungry for this stuff. I want this to be like thirst, really thirsty really hungry, for they shall be filled. When you're hungry and thirsty for righteousness, you're blessed, for you'll be filled with that. And then in John 6 and verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. He who believes in me shall never thirst. In other words, the only thing that's going to satisfy your hunger, your thirst, is Christ Jesus himself. You know, hunger is a primary impulse. And according to Jesus, if you maintain a hunger and a thirst for righteousness 
or living in right standing with God, allowing God to have the right of way, you'll never be disappointed. God will always fill your hunger and your thirst. That's a primary impulse for Christians. Stay hungry for more of the Lord. Hunger will unlock harvest. Hunger will unlock harvest. Think about what I'm saying to you. Hunger will unlock your harvest. Joshua and Caleb had a deep understanding of this. Out of two men, out of more than six million, they would not let go. They would not relent. They would not yield. They didn't bring back tokens uh, from the giants like like some of the others. They didn't bring back an evil report on their tongue about how big the giants were and how small they were. No, what did they bring back from the promised land? They brought back food. Food from the promised land. They brought back the corn. They brought back the grapes. They brought back all kinds of food from the promised land and said, aren't you hungry? Aren't you hungry for better? Aren't you hungry for more? Aren't you willing to fight for bigger than this? Are you hungry for your harvest? Are you hungry for the promises of God? Are you hungry for your inheritance? Hungry for victory? Hungry for triumph? Hungry for your family to make a a real change? You've got to get hungry for these things. If you want to see God's awakening and God's change and dry bones come to life, you've got to get hungry for God's purposes. Hungry to see God's change in the land. Hungry thirsty. In Matthew chapter 3, Jesus comes to the river Jordan. He's baptized by John the Baptist. The heavens open up and the Holy Spirit descends upon him just just like a dove. And God the Father speaks. So you have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit all in one picture there. And God speaks audibly from heaven and says, this is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. Then in Matthew chapter 4, it says, Immediately Jesus was led by the Spirit of God into the wilderness. He didn't just uh, get tricked up there. He was led by the Spirit of God into the wilderness. And then after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, it says he was hungry. Hungry. And then in that state of hunger physical hunger. He was tempted by the devil. You know, the devil has always tried to use carnal appetite to cause people to fall into temptation and to get out of right standing and out of alignment with God's plan. If you've yielded to temptation, just get back up. Receive God's abundant mercy, his mega forgiveness for your life. Because Jesus has already overcome and given you the victory. That's why Jesus told his disciples, you have, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood, hunger and thirst, you know. You have to eat my flesh and drink my blood, meaning you're becoming one with him through receiving of the covenant. It's not about you and what you can make happen. It's what, about what Jesus already made happen for you. This is one of the reasons why we take communion. So Jesus overcame Satan's temptation by declaring what? It is written. He began to speak God's word. He used the word of God to defeat every attack of the enemy. 
you know, it's crucial that we understand that when we speak God's words, we are not just sowing seeds, we're changing the landscape, we're speaking life, we're removing the weeds of the enemy, we're removing the lies of the enemy, we're, we're speaking a, a destiny into being. When we speak life, we are disarming and defeating the powers of hell and it's so that we can experience the blessings of God and receive the inheritance that he has prophesied and planned for you to walk in. So Jesus, after boldly facing off the attacks of the enemy, armed with the word of God and commanding authority, he defeats Satan and the enemy leaves him alone, the Bible says. The enemy departs from him. And then what happens? Then angels come and they minister to him. Hallelujah, man, that's incredible. Uh, You know, I just want to point this out. After every battle, God releases a refreshing and a blessing. You know, you may feel like you just got through a big battle. Get ready. Refreshing and blessing is coming your way. And God's got angels on assignment to bring it to pass for you too. Amen. So then it says, Jesus comes down from the mountain and he begins to declare something. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I mean, he just got a doctor's degree in this revelation. And he says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent means to change your thinking, to turn around, to turn and go a new direction, and to get back on top of life. He starts walking down the shores of Galilee, and he calls disciples and tells them to follow him. Some of them forsake their nets, and they just start following Jesus. And then what happens? Jesus starts demonstrating his authority over all manner of sickness and disease and demonic activity. And now besides his disciples, he has a great multitude following him, tens of thousands of people, more than in Joel Osteen's church, I promise. (laughs) In Matthew chapter 5, it moves on to, we see we're following Jesus through chapter 3, chapter 4, and now in chapter 5, uh, Jesus begins to preach his very first sermon. It's called the Beatitudes. He says, now follow where I'm going with this. He says, uh, well, this is his very first sermon. The very first message, Jesus the Messiah uh, is is about to preach. This is his very first recorded message and uh, his very first word of his very first sermon uh, to his church around him is blessed. The very first word, blessed. In other words, he starts, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn. Blessed are they are the meek. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. So the key is this. Repent. Change your appetite to the things of God. Change your thinking. Change your words. Fully follow Jesus. And then you'll be blessed. You repent. You follow Jesus. The bread of life. And then the result is you become blessed blessed. Jesus is instructing us on how to win in life and possess our inheritance, our promises. You know, you can look at the world around you right now, you get very upset. You could get very disgruntled about all these things. Don't eat that. Eat the bread of life. 
Amen. I've been declaring this prophetic word uh, for a number of months now, now for this uh, for this spring and this summer that we've entered into a season of restoration and recovery. And let me add this in also, accelerated blessing. Restoration, recovery, and accelerated blessing. I'm going to say it one more time. Restoration, restoring of all that was lost. When You know, when something's restored, they restore a car, they restore a house. It's better than the original. Restoration and recovery. It means you get back everything that was stolen, everything that was lost, and accelerated blessing. Remember the word of the Lord over the new year is breaking through in 2022. God's going to break through for you. So this season, uh, uh, spring and summer, it's a time of restoration, recovery, and accelerated blessing. Suddenly, everything shifts. Suddenly, everything turns around. God's got suddenlies coming your way. A time of divine turnaround and realignment, a time of divine reversals and fruitfulness is going to begin to come forth in our lives on an entirely new level of blessing. Jesus said this in that same passage, don't say your harvest is four months from now because your fields are already white with harvest. You know, too many times people hear harvest and blessing and they think, it's it's going to happen some point in the future. Jesus is saying, no, don't say your harvest is four months from now because your fields are already white with harvest. I'm declaring to you tonight the word of the Lord. Now is the time. Well, you haven't seen the conditions of the world around us, the price of gas, the price of this. I heard a, a friend of mine the other day said, you're, you're still drinking Starbucks coffee. Have you seen the price of, of their coffee? You know, uh, you're paying more for a cup of coffee than you are for a gallon of gas. What are you complaining about? You know, God is providing. God is still blessing you regardless of these things, right? Don't say your harvest is going to happen one day. Your, your fields are already white with harvest. Now is the time. Suddenly, doors are going to open for you. Let me just make this uh, point as well. It can be a season of blessing and fruitfulness, but there can still be some who do not align themselves. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, right alignment with God, right order, allowing God the right of way and standing, keeping them their lives in right standing with God. I know Jesus positionally has us. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, but still God wants you to grow. He wants you to, to come up higher. He wants you to learn not to do some things that you shouldn't be doing. It's going to have an impact and an effect on how much you can walk in, right? You know, uh, I, I think it's uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 4, it says, the child, uh, the heir, as long as he's a child, differs nothing from the servant. Uh, but when you get older, there's a time of reckoning. If you, if you have done it, done it all right, you get the keys to the Ferrari, you know, you, you get the keys to the Maserati, but you don't give the keys to a Ferrari or a Mar Maserati to a seven-year-old. There's got to be some growth that happens in there, right? And so it can be a season of blessing and fruitfulness, but there can be still some who refuse to, to align themselves, and therefore 
they begin to miss out on what God is releasing and wonder why they're not getting it. Because understand this, anything that God releases, you have to align yourself properly to receive it. I've seen people, and I'm probably not the only preacher that has said this, but I've seen people who uh, find the church of their dreams and they say, God brought me here. I know God brought me here. And, and uh, you know, we've had people come to our church, and they, they are uh, excited to be a part, and, and they get the word of the Lord, and their lives get built, and they get uh, restored, and, and they get good things happening for them. And then they decide, well, you know what? I don't need to be here anymore. I want to go do something different. And then their lives are not so good anymore. And you want to say, you need to go back. <laughs> And get into right order, right alignment. You have to align yourself properly in the kingdom of God to receive. There's no part of our body that is a roving part of, of our body. No, it stays uh, where it's, the, the Bible says we are fitly joined together. You know, well, what church do you go to? Well, I go to this church, this church, this church, this church, and this church. And then I do these online, and then I go to the... listen. You need to get you need to get, get yourself planted. Those that are planted in the house of God will begin to blossom and thrive. That's what the Bible says. And so that's uh, Psalm ninety two. You gotta you gotta understand part of God's process is right order and right alignment. And sometimes that means. If you've got to change, if you've got to adjust, you've got to do whatever is necessary to follow him closely, you've got to do that. By the way, that's another definition for the word repent, to get yourself in right alignment with God, and then change your appetite to the higher things of God. Change your appetite to the things of God, hunger for the things of God. Change your thinking and change your words and fully follow Jesus, and then you'll walk in the blessing, the greater blessing. Can these dry bones live? Yes. Can you not rely on carnal reasoning? Like Joshua and Caleb, believe God and his promises over everything that you see. If you look at something and, and, and it says you can't do it, that's carnal reasoning. These dry bones, can they live? God only with your help, only you know the answer to that question. Well, I've got these issues, and I've got, you know how many people I've prayed for? I don't even know how many people I've prayed for that have had uh, pending court judgments that were going to come down on them, and they were going to jail, and there was no hope. And we prayed, and somehow or another, that judge, when they stood before that judge, the judge said, you know what, this is a day that you're going to receive mercy and something's going to change and you're not going to jail and this is going to change and I'm going to do things this way and I'm going to be merciful to you. I've seen that happen more times than I can count. I've seen uh, uh, marriages that look like they are totally destroyed. God, heal what needed to be healed and bring them back together, opening their eyes to see, removing scales from their eyes so that they can begin to see the one they really love. I'm just telling you, can dry bones live? Yes, they can. As long as you don't rely on carnal reasoning. And like Joshua and Caleb, you've got to believe God and believe his promises over everything that you can see. 
Can you not eat the carnal food of this world's reasoning and instead eat the bread of life? Come on, can we align ourselves by obeying his word and speaking life and not curses? I'm going to teach Sunday, for those of you that are going to tune in uh, this Sunday, I'm going to teach a message uh, called I Declare, and I'm going to talk about the power of decrees and declarations. You've got to hear this message. But, you know, God's plan is for the ecclesia, the church, to hunger for the blessed life. That's why Jesus' first words of his first sermon was blessed, 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 blessed. Yes, the dry bones can experience life, and that more abundantly. Jesus was giving us keys to unlock God's blessing for our lives. By the way, he said, blessed are the poor in spirits. First thing he said, it doesn't mean living in poverty. Blessed are the poor in spirit. You know, uh, the old adage is, uh, Lord, you keep them humble and we'll keep them poor. You know, that's why people run from the ministry. Uh, God doesn't want anybody financially poor. He doesn't want you to struggle. Being Living in poverty brings no glory to God. Living poor and not able to pay your bills brings no glory to God. Listen, the key is simple. If a man doesn't work, a man doesn't eat. You have to work. You have to put your hand to work. Work is not a curse. Work is a blessing. Work is ministry. By the way, some people say, I want to be in the ministry so I don't have to work as hard. <laughs> Listen, the word ministry means work. And when you're in the ministry, it's like having four full-time jobs. Jesus was saying poor in spirit, not meaning poverty or, or living poor or, or barely scraping by. That's not how Jesus lived. Now, he was extremely wealthy. He had a massive ministry. He had huge finances. He was able to feed uh, thousands at any given moment. That's why it was easy for him to sit 5,000 down and feed them and 4,000 down and feed them. It was a regular occurrence, a regular practice in Jesus's ministry. And so uh, two different times, uh, Judas took the money out of the bag and stole it and pilfered uh, from the ministry. That's why they didn't have the finances to buy uh, uh, for the 5,000 and the 4,000 and the two separate feedings that are noted uh, in Scripture. Jesus doesn't want you living in poverty. He said in uh, Third John 5, Beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. Listen, Jesus doesn't want you poor. He doesn't want you in poverty. He doesn't want you struggling. Uh, he said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me uh, to preach the gospel or the good news to the poor. The good news for poor is you don't have to be poor anymore. You don't have to do without. You don't have to have poverty as a part of your life. Poverty is a result of the curse, and it is a tool of the devil, and you are no longer part of the devil's kingdom. When you become born again, you've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. So Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Again, it doesn't mean living in poverty. In, in the Greek, it is the word tokos. 
It means poor in soulish rationale, poor in carnal thinking or the mental disposition of the world. In other words, blessed are those who stop accepting the world's carnal thinking and dispo- uh, di- disposing to it. Let me add, and start speaking differently too, sowing the right seeds, words of life. Blessed are those who stop thinking like the world thinks and stop carnally reasoning and walking by sight instead of by faith. Blessed are those who'll who'll change their thinking and then that has an automatic effect to what you start speaking. You start speaking words of life and words of hope and words of joy for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Those who stop thinking like the world thinks, that's how you walk in the blessing. So what Jesus was saying is this, if you're going to experience heaven on earth, you've got to think like heaven. You have to divest yourself of human reasoning. Stop eating at that table. Uh, Divest yourself of human rationale and eat the bread of life. Let God be true and every man a liar. I choose to take off carnal reasoning and natural human disposition, uh, the carnal mind, and I'm going to walk blessed under an open heaven by putting on the mind of Christ and allowing God's word to come alive within me. Allow the rule of the kingdom of God in my appetites, my thinking, and therefore in my life. I'm going to cause Jesus to be Lord. I'm going to eat what God says to eat and think what God says to think and say what God says for me to say. Amen. That's what Jesus was saying. God wants you and I to go through that metamorphosis, that renovation of our way of thinking, exchanging our mind for his mind. Whenever you renew your mind, you're deciding, let God be true and every man a liar. And even though it looks like it's lying about the circumstances around you, when you're speaking by faith, you're actually the one who's speaking the truth. You're actually the one that's not lying. The circumstances are lying. The circumstances are not speaking the truth. When you speak God's truth and you're speaking by faith, you're speaking the truth and you are speaking life. Can you tell that's a passion, a passion in me? This is how you possess your promised inheritance. That's why Joshua and Caleb, when they came out of the promised land, what did God say to them? Now I want you, you two can talk. The rest of the company cannot talk. Everybody else coming out of the wilderness, you cannot talk until you, until you learn to talk like your leaders talk. You have to talk when you're, when God says to talk, that's when you talk. What God says to say, that's what you say. That was the first step to possessing their promised land. And that is our first step to possessing our promised inheritance. Whenever you begin to step into that dimension, you become what Jesus described as poor in spirit. And then what's going to happen is then yours is the kingdom of heaven. Heaven opens up and then the blessings of God begin to pour out upon you in an unprecedented manner because you make a conscious decision to eat the bread of life 
instead of the bread of idleness, the bread of this world, the bread of worry, the bread of all these other things. You make a conscious decision. I'm not going to think like the world. I'm not going to think with carnal reasoning. I'm not going to think like that. I'm going to think like God thinks. And that's, that's how you walk out, uh, walking in the blessing of God, receiving your inheritance, the blessed life. This is how you possess your promises. This is how you possess your inheritance. Too many Christians today are suffering what I call spiritual starvation. Uh, they're not feeding their spirit man the right things. You know, we're very careful on our diets. We're very careful to, to take care of our body and make sure we eat the right things and make sure we take our vitamins. And, you know, in, in some cases, uh, professional athletes, they have, they're very rigid about their food intake. And, you know, the older you get, you have to be very uh, conscious about every bite of food that you put in your mouth. You know, Christians, even some mature Christians, are suffering spiritual starvation, and they force-feed each other junk food, and they live rational lives. Let's now rationalize this with me. You know, carnal reasoning, you can't carnally reason everything out. Logically processing with a natural mental disposition when God has given us a supernatural mind to access the very thoughts of God. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5, it says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Let this mind, let, first word, let. You've got the ability to allow it or disallow it. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. If you want to walk in the fullness of God's blessing for your life, the blessed life that God's prepared for you, you have to change your spiritual diet. Learn to be hungry for the right spiritual foods. You have to divest yourself of natural human rationale. You've got to learn to think like God thinks and allow that to become part of your process in life. Uh, Romans chapter 8 and verse 6, it says, If you're carnally minded, it's death. But spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is at enmity with God. The word enmity there means at war with God. Uh, why think that way when it leads to a dismissal from God's blessing? Why allow it when it hinders our lives? Why? It's like playing with a rattlesnake. Why? Why live that way when we have access to the very mind of God? Carnal mind is at enmity or at war with God. It's contrary to the mind of God. Human reasoning will always try to dissuade you from the mind of God. Those dry bones cannot live. What are you talking about? Look at that. They're dead, dry bones. How could that possibly become anything but dust? See, human reasoning will try to steer you away from the promise that God has for your life. When God has given you a prophetic promise, you've got to stand and believe it and do not negate it. Again, Jesus is saying, blessed are those who are poor in human rationale and disposition. Blessed are those who do not carnally reason. Again, those who do not think like the world thinks. That's who experiences heaven on earth. Go beyond the veil of separation and limitation. 
the veil of the flesh. Let God show you all things are possible for him who believes. See, this is your spiritual inheritance. Paul wrote this, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons and the daughters of God. Come on. We have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Right? We've been adopted. In, we've been chosen. That's what that really means. We are born again into this, but we are chosen. That spirit of adoption. God chose you from before the foundations of the earth were ever laid. God chose you. And so by that, we cry out, Papa, Abba, Father. All these things work together for those who love God and are the called according to his purposes. God works everything, all the, everything possible. Nothing can separate you from his love. That's what Apostle Paul wrote, wrote neither height nor depth nor uh, principalities or things present or things to come. No demonic spirit, no angel, no nothing can separate you from the love of God. And that all these things are working together to cause you to become more like Christ, the Son of God. You're, you're adopted. So you cry, Abba, Father. In other words, you've got a, a full inheritance, a full firstborn inheritance. The firstborn, by the way, always got the double portion. The firstborn got the double portion. So uh, what God is saying, I've got a double portion inheritance for you. I've got the, everything that Jesus has you have all these things are working together for good for those who love God and are the called according to his purposes what shall we say to these things if God be for us who or what could ever be against us amen Isn't this awesome I'm gonna continue to encourage you God wants you to walk in the highest and the best for your life it's time for ministry to remind you that God loves you, and you don't have to do anything, uh, but do your very best. Amen? You can't earn this. I'm not talking about by works. I'm just talking about growing spiritually. I'm not talking about uh, doing anything in our own righteousness, but I am talking about learning to grow up in Christ, learning to be mature, Jesus is coming back for a mature bride without spot, without wrinkle, without blemish. He wants to look at you and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. Amen. And so I'm challenging you to believe God to come up higher. You can do better. I can do better. We, we all can go higher. We all can do better. We're going to see the glory of God. We're going to see the awakening. We're going to see our families' lives changed for the good. You're going to see poverty leave your life forever. I want to pray for you right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, for those that are, their faith is stirred now. God, they, they know that they're not perfect. We all know we're not perfect. No one's perfect but Jesus Christ, the perfect Son of God, the man Jesus Christ the mediator between God and man, the, Timothy says, the man Jesus Christ. He was a man. He showed his humanity, but he overcame 
so that we could walk in that uh, we are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus' anointing. And so, Father, I just release grace, mega, mega grace to your people, mega favor, mega blessing, mega mercy upon their lives now. Father, I thank you that you know how to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think or imagine. And Lord, we choose today to think like you want us to think, to talk like you want us to talk, to speak words of hope to others, to speak words of life. When you give us revelation, you give it to us so that we can walk in it and we can share it with others so that they can walk in it too. So they, they can have the light of hope in this dark world. And Father, I just thank you for the grace that you're pouring out right now. And I feel the anointing so strong upon the people of God that are listening to this right now. I just see it going in there and helping you and strengthening you. And Father, I thank you that let God be true and every man a liar. God, we believe your word is truth. Your word is life. Your word is light. And we are the sons and daughters of God. And the inheritance that you've foreordained and predestined for us to walk in is being released to your people now. Lord, we just give you thanks and praise for that outpouring of your spirit today and that which is to come. We are believing for reformation, for awakening, for revival in the land. Father, and around the world, set this world on fire for Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you that we are not those who draw back, but those who put our hand to the plow and keep pushing forward until the work is finished. I thank you, Lord God, for the grace that you've given to each person under the sound of my voice now. And I thank you for the grace on my life today, Father, to be a voice for you. And I release that grace to your people now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Amen. I want to thank those of you who continue to stand with us as partners in ministry and and continue to sow and to bless the ministry. We are so grateful to you. Thank you for standing with us here at Speak Life. You make it possible for us to continue to bring quality prophetic ministry week after week right here. If you want to sow a seed and help us to continue to release the word of the Lord to America the beautiful and to the nations of the earth, there are several ways you can donate. You can find them on our website at martylayton.com or on our church website, which is lifepointchurch.cc. You can also text any amount to the number 84321. That's 84321. You text any amount to that. And uh, that's an easy way to sow and be a blessing. Amen. I want to thank today's sponsor, Mike Lindell and My Pillow. Mike is an, is an amazing man of God, and uh, he is a great patriot, American patriot, fighting on the front lines of this culture war for the freedoms we love here in beautiful America the beautiful. <laughs> Amen. You know, uh, I, their motto is for the best night's sleep in the whole wide world. Use MyPillow.com. Let me just tell you, God wants you to dream on those pillows too. And uh, he's got a great dream for you. And uh, you want a great night's sleep. I encourage you to get their pillows and, and look at all the products that they have uh, for sale there at MyPillow.com. 
if you use my name, Marty, M-A-R-T-Y, as your promo code, you'll receive the deepest discounts available off of your purchase. And if you uh, prefer, you can call 800-859-2938. That's 800-859-2938. And you can place your order that way over the phone if you prefer that instead of a computer. Uh, But remember to use the promo code Marty, and that's one way you can uh, help support Speak Life and all that we do here. And uh, you can support uh, Mike Lindell and the patriotic work uh, that he's doing for America the Beautiful. He's a great man of God, and I encourage you to do so. You know, in this powerful moment in time, I believe that you are being raised up for such a time as this. And God wants you to know that you are a prophetic generation and you are called to speak life. Job 22 and 28 declares you've been given the authority to decree a thing and it shall be established unto you and the light that drives out darkness will shine upon your ways. Amen. You are a voice. You have a voice and you have a choice. And so you have the authority of Christ to speak and release God's light into any and every situation possible. So continue to do so and to speak life. Thank you for tuning in to Speak Life this week. Join us next week for more great ministry. And uh, I've got a great guest planned for next week. You're going to love it. Uh, We have great conversations and insights uh, planned from some of the today's cutting-edge leaders And a great revelation that I know you're going to love. So uh, I look forward to seeing you next week. Please take a second to subscribe to our Speak Life podcast. And if you like this podcast, then give us a five-star review. It helps the ministry. And uh, also remember to follow me on social media. Like me or follow me on Instagram and Twitter and Truth and Getter and Facebook and YouTube and Rumble and all the other outlets And uh, you'll find me at Marty Layton. That's the at symbol, Marty Layton. And remember, you can also watch this show live every Friday night at 7 p.m. Central Time on Facebook, on YouTube, and on Rumble. And I want to thank you for telling others about the Speak Life show. Help us to get the word out and reach more people. Amen. Also, you can find this podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, and on Charisma Podcast Network, which, by the way, I highly recommend. Or or you can find us really anywhere you can find podcasts. So thank you again. Remember to keep your spiritual ears and your spiritual eyes open because God is always talking and revealing great things to his people. I want to encourage you, always speak life. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Speak Life with Marty Layton. Please help us spread hope and share this podcast with a friend. Join us again as we speak life into our world.